the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus calls this generation a faithless generation. And that faithlessness is very disheartening to Jesus. It hurts him. It hurts Jesus when he sees a lack of faith. The disciples asked Jesus, why, why couldn't we drive out this demon? And Jesus said, it's because of your lack of faith. Their inability to drive out the demon is because of their lack of faith, but in a particular type of lack of faith. They thought that they could drive this demon out on their own, that they did not need Jesus. The disciples, when they asked Jesus privately, why can't we drive this demon out? They said, why can't we cast it out? Thinking as if they can cast out demons without the power of Jesus. Jesus is healer. Amen? It's kind of wild because this is Matthew 17. And in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus sends out the 70 disciples. And they come back and they say, Lord, we cast out demons in your name. We healed people in your name. The sick were healed. The dead were raised in your name. Sorry for my voice, by the way. But... (laughs) But now, in Matthew 17, a father comes and says, heal my son to the disciples, and they can't do it. Why? Because of their little faith. But the particular type of faith that they didn't have was their self-dependency, their self-reliance. God is the healer. And so, a disciple's job, every single one of our jobs, is to do what Jesus says. He says... Bring him to me. There are three virtues in the Christian life that maintain our faith, our life, our Christian life. They're the three theological virtues. I want you to say them with me. Faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. Those are the three virtues or habits or dispositions or foundational realities within ourselves that ground us. Faith, hope, and love and love. Now first, faith. Faith is a fundamental requirement of all Christians, and it is to trust in God above all else. I love Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5. It says, trust in the Lord your God with all your heart. Do not rely on your own intelligence. These disciples that could not heal this boy They relied on themselves and not on the Lord. But true faith and true trust in God is like, Lord, here it is. I surrender it to you. I give it to you. This beautiful thing, though, is that Jesus is not saying we need a lot of faith. We need just enough faith to say, Lord, I need you. We need need God. All right, now I'm going to put this on the spot a little bit. Who's the older generation? Can you just raise your hand? I'm not calling you old, but just please raise your hand. <laughs> older generation, you kind of count yourself as the older generation? All right. What's something beautiful about the older generation is that in your heart, when something's wrong or you struggling with something, Jesus is your first resort. He's the first one you go to. The older generation has a type of faith that Jesus is number one and I'm going to him first and he's the first person I'm calling. I'm getting on my knees. I'm praying. I go to Jesus first. Who's the younger generation? Can you raise your hand? Younger generation. Jesus is your last resort. 
For many in the younger generation, they don't go to Jesus first. They go to some psychic, or they go to yoga, or they go to this, or they go to a therapist, or they go to... I'm not saying these things are bad. Well, actually, the first couple things are definitely bad. (laughs) But like a therapist is not a bad thing to do. But who's the first person you go to? Instead of the last, it must be the first. And so we need to learn from the older generation that Jesus is meant to be the first resort. Jesus is number one. He is the healer. And actually, any healing that you receive actually comes from the healer. It comes from God. We need to need God. And when we, when we need God and we come to God, that's what faith is. So that first virtue is faith. Second is hope. St. Paul says, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. When something happens in our lives and we struggle and, and like, you know, we come to God for healing and he heals us. We need to remember that healing as a testimony and witness to Jesus and say, Lord, the Lord has healed me. But any time that the pain can come back or any struggle can come back that was back there, we need to forget it. We need to forget about it. Any sin that you've ever committed and you've gone to confession and you've received healing from Jesus, that sin is gone. St. Paul says, forgetting what lies behind, but straining forward to what lies ahead. The virtue of hope is future-oriented. Now, hope is challenged. Hope is difficult when we see a future in which we know they're suffering. Hope is challenged when we see a future in which it looks very hard. I'm thinking of when a doctor tells us, you have an incurable disease. Immediately, you think, this is hopeless. One thing wild about Jesus, he said in the gospel today, he said, and he says it multiple times, the son of man is to be handed over to men and they will kill him. It sounds so hopeless. If if only it stopped there. But he says, and he will be raised on the third day. What was the disciples' reaction? Do you remember in the gospel what it just said? They were overwhelmed with grief. They were hopeless. Why? Because they focused more on the suffering than on the resurrection. St. Paul says in Romans 8.18, I count this suffering as nothing compared to the glory that is to be revealed to me. Can we say that? I count this suffering as nothing compared to the glory that is to be revealed to me. We are a people of hope. You don't have to keep responding. I was doing that in, in catechism. I was, I was constantly, because I had to keep them awake, right? I had to constantly say, all right, repeat after me. And then I would keep preaching and then I'd keep repeating my, my homily. <laughs> but um, so good. So we are a people of hope. And any present suffering that we have, or even any past struggle that we've ever experienced, that we think is going to revisit us and come back again. We are a people of hope that the was not the end. Jesus is risen from the dead. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Jesus is risen from the dead. Every single Sunday we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. The light has shined from darkness.
and the light will shine in your life. The last virtue. Now we have what? Faith, hope, and love. St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Our love, our faith, our hope is grounded in the love of God. I often tell people, God loves you. And you know what? Some older generation will say to me, Inshallah, Inshallah. What? I'm like, no, no, no. He loves you. It's not like, God willing, he'll love me. No, he loves you. And this is a truth. This is a fact. It's no matter how you feel, whatever, God loves you. And our faith is grounded in the love of God. And our hope is rooted in the desire that God has for us. Jesus says, I've, I've come to prepare a place for you. Where I'm going, there you will be in my Father's house. All right. Just want to, quick aside. How should we come to Jesus when we need something to, from the Lord? How should we come to him? The Father in the story gives us a beautiful example. Before you come and ask the Lord for something, before you petition Jesus, you should come, we should all come in adoration. Adoration is possible because God has come into the flesh and makes his dwelling with us. We can adore God in a way that no other faith, no other religion can even dare. I think of Islam and Muslims and the way they worship God, I don't even know, but it's like, God is not with them. He's up there and they're trying to go there. But our faith is that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And Jesus says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you don't have life in me. Which means that he makes his flesh and blood present to us so that we can worship and adore and receive and live in that beauty. Amen? Wow! So before we ask and petition from the Lord... We should come in adoration of God who is with us. And the Father's first words to Jesus, he doesn't first say, heal my son. His first words were, Lord, have mercy. He calls him Lord. He acknowledges who Jesus is, and he says, have mercy. The Father cannot be blamed for a lack of faith. The Father has faith. He goes to Jesus. The disciples were the faithless ones. A faithless generation is a generation who stops asking for God's mercy. A faithless generation is a generation that does not care about sin. A faithless generation doesn't care about the effects of sin. And what is the effect of sin? Death, damnation, eternal hell. A faithless generation says, I don't even think or care about salvation. I don't have faith. I don't have hope in a future. I don't believe that God loves me. And if he does, I don't want to receive it because I don't care. My parents would tell me and my uncles would tell me the worst thing you could say is I don't care. It's the worst thing. Kids, you listening? Whenever you say, I don't care, it just eats your parents alive. It's like, you're supposed to care. A faithless generation does not care. And our jihad, I love how Jesus, he likens faith 
Our job is to bring the faith. I mentioned the older generation is meant to pass down the faith to our younger children. I love how Jesus uses the example of a mustard seed to talk about faith. A seed is something that you plant and you allow it to grow. And Jesus, we know he uses his example. And he also talks about the ground and what type of ground that that seed is to be planted. But no matter what type of ground, the seed is meant to be planted. And it doesn't have to be big because the faith is so beautiful that even if it's small, it's going to grow. If only we have it. And so, let us receive the seed of faith. Let us receive God's mercy in faith, hope, and love. And live and receive eternal life.